Welcome to Time Personified. Right now it is 7.40 in the morning in Cambodian time, because I am currently still in Cambodia. And in just over an hour, the full moon in Libra will be exact. And there's a lot going on with this full moon. There's a lot going on with astrology in general and with the world. So there's a lot to share today. The full moon in Libra is really special to me because last year we experienced two full moons in Libra. This happens most years because there are 13 lunar cycles in one year. So every year we'll experience two new moons or two full moons in one sign. And last year we experienced two full moons in Libra the two full moons in Libra and both of those have pretty fond memories for me. The first full moon in Libra uh, last year in 2019 was when I actually shared my astrology practice and I did a full moon ceremony with a close friend when I was traveling through New Zealand with her and that was the first time I really shared what I do with astrology with another person and then one lunar cycle later that we're at the next full moon in Libra I was in Chiang Mai Thailand which is a place that I consider to be a home base for me and I have lots of people there who I'm close to who I love and I led my very first moon circle so the Libra moons have a very like special place in my heart. Libra happens to rule over my 10th house of career and public image because I am a Capricorn rising. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing what this full moon has in store for me and the thing that I choose to do for a living, which is astrology. And yeah, We've got a lot of pretty intense energy. I mean, at any point in 2020, like, it's it's just an intense year astrologically. We just experienced our second of five outer planet conjunctions that will be happening this year. There are, we had the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January, then Jupiter and Pluto go conjunct three times this year, and then we have the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction on the winter solstice, December of this year, that will bring the year to a very exciting close. And so just a few days ago, we had our first Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, our first of three, and I experienced it from my quarantine in Kampot, Cambodia. And I was seeing on social media that the quarantine was allowing like thousands of people to just meditate on it the moment that it happened because this quarantine has brought everyone's li lives to a standstill so everyone had their schedules clear <laughs> enough that they were able to stop 
when this event took place and meditate and so thousands of people were meditating meditating together myself included and I really felt the energy there I felt that like destruction energy that Pluto brings to any any aspect especially to Jupiter there's this um, Jupiter and Pluto is a, a deconstruction of our belief systems it's our opportunity to purge the dogma to identify how our beliefs and our isms are becoming dangerous and are becoming uh, constricting and we get that opportunity with Pluto to break away from that and this destruction process it's a it's going to be a process we and we we initiated that process with this first Jupiter Pluto conjunction which was exact on April 4th you may have been feeling it days before and then days after because these planets move very slowly and the first phase of this process was with the Saturn Pluto conjunction in January this was a very practical destruction this was actual physical things that we um, rely on and that we have around us are are crumbling because they're no longer serving us now we're into the phase of now we're at the point of the process where our belief systems have to start to go we have to release these collective beliefs that are not going to serve us in the next chapter of human history and December 21st Saturn and Jupiter are going to meet and I really see this conjunction is like the calling in of a new age and I've been saying this the past few episodes I've recorded but if you wake up early you can see Saturn and Jupiter in the morning sky and right now in this moment they're joined by by Mars he'll be up there for a while as well in the morning sky every day you see them inching closer and closer to each other and this whole year 2020 is leading up to that moment when Saturn and Jupiter finally meet and we're not going to actually see that they're going to be very close to the Sun so they won't be visible when they actually meet each other and um, that this moment is is when we're going to finally be able to birth in the new reality after all of the deconstruction and and destruction and the the death that we're all collectively experiencing like literally literally we're experiencing death i'm listening to npr and i'm hearing that there's a mass grave in central park so yeah there's like literal death and obviously my heart is with anybody who is feeling the pain of that and also just metaphorical death if that's the right word for it like everything that we the reality that we took for granted just a few months ago is gone and we are kind of back to square one in terms of how are we going to build a society and structures that allow the seven billion people on this planet to function together so that is what we're exploring here and I'd really like to look through the eyes of the ruling planet of this full moon which is Venus 
because Venus rules over the sign of Libra. Venus is going to rule over this full moon and then the next new moon. So the next two lunations are centered around Venus because the full moon in Libra, new moon in Taurus. Libra and Taurus are the two signs that Venus rules. And Venus is currently, she is beginning a very long transit through Gemini. She's going to be in Gemini until August. She entered Gemini at April 2nd or 3rd, depending on where you were. And she's going to be there until August 7th or 8th, again, depending on where you are on the, on the planet, which day it'll be for you. The reason she's spending so much time in Gemini is because she goes retrograde in this sign. She's going to go retrograde on May 13th and she will stay in retrograde until July, not July, sorry, not July. <laughs> she will stay in retrograde until June 25th. So yeah, this is a long transit through Gemini. And Venus in Gemini wants to have conversations. She wants to take in information. She wants to share information. It's all about the flowing of air energy. Air is language, it's intellect, it's thoughts, it's your mind. And she's going to be starting some very important conversations here because God knows we need to be talking to each other, having some really tough conversations, um, both on like an individual level. I think we're experiencing this in our individual lives, but collectively, man, we need to really sit down and talk about what our values are. Venus and Gemini. Venus is our values. Gemini is putting voice to things. And as she, when, whenever a planet goes retrograde, they are ending a previous cycle and beginning a new one. So she's initiating a new 584 day cycle that this whole process she's going through, we're going to be experiencing the eclipses and the Venus retrograde. And so this is something I'll, I'll be touching on many times over the next month or two, because she's going to be, Venus is going to be a really big teacher for us over the next few months, I think. We're being initiated into a new relationship with the goddess, with the divine feminine. And she's making a trine throughout like right now she's making a trine to mars and saturn who are in the earlier degrees of aquarius and mars and saturn and aquarius are pushing us towards that new future for humanity and the jupiter saturn conjunction at the end of this year is going to be in aquarius saturn is making an ingress into aquarius at the moment he will go retrograde and return to capricorn in july and then in december he'll move into aquarius for good for the net he'll be spending the next two years in aquarius and that moment in december when saturn moves into aquarius goes conjunct jupiter that's the birth of the new reality right now Saturn's making his ingress. He's with Mars. He's being trined by Venus. Right now is when we're talking about what that future is going to look like. We're being supported by Venus and Gemini, giving us that beauty and that love and that empathy and compassion in the way that we use our language, in the way that we think. This is really the moment where we get to plant the seeds for that new reality 
that we want to birth. So one of the main thing that I want to speak about today is how to actually work with Venus. I want to give you all the tools and the knowledge to actually work with this archetype and this planet so that we can all move through this process together. A really big part of my astrology practice is working with the visible planets. By visible planets, I mean the planets that can be seen with the naked eye without any kind of telescope or binoculars or anything. Those planets are Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Um, and then, of course, the sun and the moon can be seen with the naked eye. In astrology, we refer to those as luminary planets. Planet in Greek means wandering body, so they are light, they are bright wandering bodies. So there are seven objects that we can see with the naked eye in the sky that move. Seven visible wandering bodies. That's where the seven days of the week come from. Each day of the week is actually named after one of the planets. Monday is the moon, Tuesday is Mars, Wednesday, or Mer Mercury in Latin is Mercury, Thursday, Rigidi is, I, I'm saying these in French because that's the language, other language I know, is Jupiter, Friday or Vendredi, Venus's day, Saturday, Saturn's day, Sunday, obvious, Sun's day. So that's a little tidbit in case you didn't know that. And all of the visible planets have cycles and that's what I work with as an astrologer. You are probably familiar with the lunar cycle. The moon is dark and then it waxes or gets brighter and then it's full and then it wanes or it gets less bright, it gets dimmer and then it disappears again. And that's the lunar cycle. And the planets, they have cycles that involve them going retrograde and going conjunct the sun, which is the the inception of a new cycle. They're always retrograde when they're, sorry, they're not always retrograde when they go conjunct the sun, but the, the new cycle is always when they are retrograde and then they go conjunct the sun. And then they rise in the morning sky, they fall from the morning sky, and then the cycle becomes full when they go conjunct the sun a second time and then they rise in the evening sky and fall from the evening sky, they begin a new cycle. That's how it basically works. Every planet is a little different and um, I'll focus on the Venus cycle for now. I'll probably in the future talk about all of the other planetary cycles. Venus has an eight, I'm oh, sorry, an, a 584 day cycle and it begins when she stations retrograde, falls from the evening sky, and goes conjunct the sun. So the retrograde will happen on May 13th. And right now, in this moment, I'm recording this on April 8th. And Venus is the brightest, she is currently the brightest object in the evening sky. So if you're, if you're outside at night and you see a giant bright scar scar you see a a giant bright star in the western sky that is venus and she is at the high point of her of her synodic cycle she's at the point that basically culminates the entire cycle and the seeds that we planted 
back in the beginning of the cycle, back in October 2018, those seeds are full. They, they have they have produced fruit now. They are ready for harvest. So you may think back to what seeds you planted in your life back in October of 2018, especially things related to Venus themes, which is beauty, which is relationships, which is your values, your money. Whatever seeds you planted back in October 2018, those seeds have they're ready for harvest now so what is it that you are able to claim right now and on the flip side what are the things that may have come full circle that you need to confront right now the venus cycle is fascinating um her cycle creates a if you look at venus's path from the perspective of the earth like on the astrology chart, because an astrology chart is geocentric, you see that she, her cycle actually creates a five-pointed star in the Earth sky, and it's a perfect five-pointed star. And that's just mind-blowingly incredible to me. Um, out of all of the planets, Venus has the most regular schedule. It, it's like clockwork. Other planets, there's some irregularity to it like the mercury cycle is anywhere from 100 and 110 days and uh the other planets like it's not an exact number it's not exact um where they're going to be or how long the cycle is it's always give or take a few days venus it's perfect and that kind of fits in with a lot of Venus themes of beauty, like with the sacred geometry and with the golden ratio and the Fibonacci sequence. Like, um, this is something that the Pythagoreans back in ancient Greece believed that everything is just mathematical and nature is just this perfect mathematical, like thing. Like everything can be broken down into numbers and everything in, in its essence is like perfect. And that's an interesting thing to ponder. And this upcoming Venus retrograde is going to be setting us up, in my opinion, this is my interpretation, it's going to be setting us up for the Gemini eclipse, the Gemini Sagittarius eclipses that we will be experiencing this spring. These eclipses are going to be a huge collective push to figure out what is the truth. There's a lot of air energy in the sky right now. Like I was saying before, Saturn and Mars are have, you know, recently moved into Aquarius. The full moon is in Libra, which is another air sign, and Venus, the ruler of this moon, is in Gemini. So all of the air signs are being activated right now. Aquarius, Libra, and Gemini are all being activated right now. And I really feel like this point, this like middle part of the year is our preparation to transition towards the air energy that's coming in 2021. Because for the past two years, we have been working heavily with the earth energy. And if you've listened to other episodes I've done where I've spoken more in depth about the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, you may know that 
for the past 200 years, Saturn and Jupiter have been meeting in Earth signs. Every 20 years, they've been going conjunct in Earth signs. And this conjunction in December is going to be the, it's going to be an Aquarius. It's going to be an air sign. And it's uh, launching us into 200 years of Saturn and Jupiter meeting in air signs. So it's literally like we're moving into this like age of air energy. We've gone through the process of really like cleansing and f learning some difficult truths and purging heavy energy with earth, with our resources, with our structures, with our power and the idea of hierarchy. We have moved through that process and now we are we haven't completed it like the evolution and development is an ongoing process but we are now at a point where we're ready to move towards air energy our connections our communities um we're sort of moving away from having to having to put all of our trust into structures and we're removing the middleman um, and we're, we're gaining the ability to just trust our neighbors again. The structures around us are collapsing <laughs> with the COVID-19 situation. Like, the world is at a standstill. Like, in the United States, we are experiencing the biggest unemployment crisis in the history of, of our country. And the economy is essentially turned off. <laughs> and all we have left is each other. Everything that we've built as a humanity, it. I think what we're realizing is that it's all just so temporary. All of the structures that we built, all of the little rules that we've collectively agreed are rules, it's all so temporary and so fragile. And the only thing that you can really rely on is your neighbor your community, your friend, your your family. And I feel like we're entering into a period in history when we're going to have to just rely on those interpersonal connections that we have e with each other over everything else. Like we're cutting out the middleman, just like our ancestors had to live millions of years ago. Like back before the invention of money, we would barter with each other and there was more sharing of resources. Humans lived in tribal communities and and just relied on each other to everybody kind of pulled their weight in, in any in however that they were able to do it. And everyone just sort of survived together. And I'm not trying to like glorify the nomadic portion of human history, but I'm merely suggesting that maybe there are parts of that that we might want to bring into our modern lives because it's in our DNA. We're programmed to trust each other and to cooperate with each other. We're programmed to live in tribes and live in communities and we managed to build this world through the industrial revolution and through capitalism that's way more individualistic than we're meant to operate. Loneliness is an epidemic. People are literally dying of loneliness on this planet because human beings are, are vulnerable. Like we're not 
we're not built in a way that that we can survive out in the wild like we can't hunt <laughs> we don't have big claws or teeth that we can use to hunt we um we don't have survival skills anymore because with the agricultural revolution we lost that ability to like forge and make our own tools so we really rely on each other to survive and evolution has made it so that the you know through natural selection the humans that have survived were the ones that were able to build really strong interpersonal connections with each other who were really able to socialize and cooperate this is how our species evolved to be it's in our dna to need to do that stuff and we have been living in a world where it's going against our nature. It goes against nature. <laughs> it goes against the way nature is supposed to operate. We've been destroying the planet, which we are one in the same with the planet. And it's been going against our very nature of needing to be living collectively. I don't think that hierarchy and greed and uh, exploitation, I don't think that is a natural part of humans. People have been saying, even before the whole COVID-19 situation, I've been hearing uh, suggestions that humans are a virus. Humans are this sickness that has like infiltrated the earth and like there's something that's wrong with us. Like we shouldn't be here and that's why the earth is being destroyed. And that is so, so incorrect. Like it is so incorrect. We are one and the same with this earth. We are not, there's nothing wrong with us. We've just lost our way. The virus is actually hierarchy and it's capitalism and it's, in, it's industrialization. I don't think that there's, you know, I think that maybe industrialization and commerce and that kind of stuff, it may have a place in this world, but it has just gotten so out of hand that if it does, I don't really even know how to see it like I don't <laughs> I don't even know how to see the high vibe of that stuff because it's just gotten so so dark that's the virus we're not the problem humans don't need to be like exterminated so if you're someone that holds ideas like that I would invite you to maybe with this Jupiter Pluto conjunction maybe consider releasing that belief because it's just so dark it's sad <laughs> but we're clearing out all that bullshit that stands in the way of us really being in community with each other and really being able to trust our friends and family and neighbors. We don't need the government to use their authority to validate like a piece of paper that we then use to trust each other. We can just trust our social relations and that might sound extremely idealistic but I think this is a challenge that is coming through with Saturn and Aquarius with the ingress that's happening now and with the two-year transit that we'll be experiencing in 2021 and 2022 we're really going to be pushed to strengthen our social ties in our communities and and really build something with each other that we can trust um, all of the mediators like government like money like laws yeah like they've they've been able to they've been able to accomplish productive things but it's so important to remember 
how temporary and how fragile these structures are, the only thing that can really endure something like COVID-19, something like a world war, something like, I don't know, like a natural disaster, some huge cataclysmic experience, the only thing that can endure is actual human cooperation. The only thing that we will be left with is, is each other. So how do we move forward and how do we rebuild keeping this in mind? And that's a really big theme I want to continue throughout this episode is how do we rebuild without making the same mistakes that were made the first time? the North Node moving into Gemini, with Venus transiting into Gemini, I think this that adds another really important element to all of this. So on May 4th, the nodes are going to shift, and there will be more podcast content about that specific event once we get closer to it. The South Node will be in Sagittarius, and the North Node will be in Gemini. Venus is currently going through her Gemini journey, and so we're being invited to move towards Gemini energy. And now let's talk about the sa- the Gemini Sagittarius polarity for uh, a second here. Sagittarius is world travel. It's the interconnectedness of the world. It's going far away and connecting with people who are from far away, who are very different from you. Yeah, that's Sagittarius. Gemini is short distance travel. It's Gemini rules over the hands. So it's things that are just an arm's reach away from you. Like my water is just a a short, like an arm's distance away from me. Gemini is the stuff that is around you in your immediate environment. And how interesting that we are all confined to our immediate environments at the moment. And so the element that I think it's adding to the community themes is a return to the local communities. And I want to be very careful with how I actually go about this idea because one part of human nature, a, a, a big shadow of human nature that we all carry with us, that we all embody, is this idea of us and them. That is nationalism. That is stuff that fuels like war and hate and all kinds of nasty stuff that we don't really want to perpetuate. So we want to avoid that idea of us and them. And I do want to continue like, and I do think that we need to continue moving forward. Like we are one collective, like thinking about the larger communities, like the nation and human civilization, all that stuff. But I think this return to the local community is really significant because again, for most of the, of humans have been around for 2.5 million years. And for a majority of that time, we lived in small 
tribes, small bands of close family members, very close relatives, like humans really only were exposed to like humans that they knew very intimately, which is why like we carry this in our DNA now, which is why that we have this tendency towards fearing the other, fearing those who are different from us. That's actually a part of the human psyche. And it's important that we're aware of that because it's, it's a very, it's something that could get very dark. Um, but I feel this invitation to sort of return to the people who are immediately around us and return to what is our relationship with these people? How can we reconnect to the idea of tribes? How can we create inner circles for ourselves and allow that to be our sense of safety instead of relying on something, a structure built by somebody who is in authority and built by people who don't really know you or care about you, like systems where you're just a number. How can we move away from putting all the power into systems like that and put the power back into the local communities, the people who know your name, the people who care about whether or not you live or die, who care about if you're healthy and happy. How can we start putting more weight in local communities, in, in situations like that, while also um, having this interconnected, globalized world. So I think we're gonna see some of that purging of the, of the, the connection to the all. Some of the negative, some of the heavy energy is going to be leaving and we're going to be really leaning on our local communities. So yeah, and Venus is, the love that we have with our friends and our family. Venus is the people in our lives that we choose. Venus's higher octave is Neptune. Neptune is the universal, unconditional love and compassion for everyone. Neptune is your ability to look someone in the eye and see that they are a human with a soul and that they're living and that, and that they experience the same emotions as you and, and like deep down they are you you know neptune is that whole idea of like the collective consciousness and we're all connected venus is a very individual experience venus is the person that you love because of because they're your blood or because you've been through so much for with them or because just you chose them on some level that's venus and venus was born out of rebellion. She was born out of chaos. Like, <laughs> she was born out of, like, the fall of an era. So in the beginning, in Greek mythology, there was Gaia. Gaia emerged from the primordial darkness, and she, it, she just was. Gaia is Mother Earth, and she was lonely, so she gave birth to Uranus, Uranus is the sky and her and Uranus got married and together they had lots of children. So the children they have were the Titans. There were 12 Titans and the youngest one was Cronus or Saturn. And then they had two other sets of children. They had the Cyclopedes, which there were, it was three, um, three brothers and they were very big and kind of ugly and really strong and then they had the Hecaton Curus which there were three Hecaton Curus 
and each of them had 100 arms and and like a bunch of heads i think it was like I, i'm like 100 heads they were like these very terrifying beings right so you've got the titans you've got the cyclopedes and the hecaton curus uranus was disgusted by the cyclopedes and the hecaton curus uh the titans were like incredible they were gods they were beautiful like so he loved the titans but he hated the cyclopedes and the hecaton curus so he cast them into tartarus and tartarus is kind of the greek version of hell it's like the void it's like the abyss that you get lost in um and gaia was horrified that uranus did that that he did that to his own children so she goes to the titans and she asks them to avenge their siblings and to and chronos um, which chronos is the greek word for saturn he stepped forward and he said i will do it i will i will avenge my siblings and i will take down uranus and i will step up as the ruler of the universe and i'll f and i will then free my siblings so this is where the story gets a little odd because <laughs> um, as greek mythology does chronos cut off uranus's penis and Uranus was horrified and emasculated and he fled but before he left he um he left Kronos with a warning he left a prophecy he basically said like you've defeated me you now have my place you are the ruler of the universe you are the the god of all of the gods you are the most powerful god in the universe but you are going to succumb to the exact same fate as me. You are going to be taken down by your son. From the destruction of Uranus, there came beauty and creation. His blood spilled all over the earth and Gaia was able to create the giants and the nymphs and all kinds of like etheric beings. And his penis fell into the ocean and this is how Venus was born. <laughs> so the the destruction of the old era brought in all of this newness and it brought in this new age of titan rule and if you can sort of get past the bizarre parts of this story um i think you can really recognize the moment that we're in right now i can see us living out this myth because that's what the myths are the myths are our attempt to put words and symbolism and meaning into the very deepest parts of the human experience whether you call that the subconscious or the collective conscious or whatever it is that you call it that's what mythology is it is a reflection of our human nature it's a reflection of the things that we experience both individually and collectively as human beings and when i revisited this story of the fall of uranus which by the way i'm not finished telling it i'm just at a pause because we've arrived at the birth of venus when i think about this story i i really recognize the moment that we're in right now i'm i recognize it because i'm seeing the the violent and bizarre kind of bizarre nature death of an old reality and from the ashes of that old reality we're able to create through like through COVID-19 there's there have been a lot of people who've been able to 
kind of make the best out of this moment and create some amazing beautiful things and really come together like you're seeing some you're seeing some higher points of humanity through this whole crisis and obviously you're seeing a lot of shadow but we're seeing this opportunity for new creation and rebirth we're able to connect with femininity and love and empathy in a completely new way that's our opportunity here we're we're experiencing the death of uranus and we're also experiencing the birth of venus right now and this now this is where the rest of the story is important because as we are constructing this new reality i kind of hinted at this in the beginning of the episode we need to remember that we can't make the same mistakes that were made the first time we can't as this story unfolds um, i'm going to keep telling the story and you see the path that chronos takes we need to make sure that we don't follow that path so okay so the new the the new age is here the titans are are ruling now and they all married their sisters like they were the the male gods married their sisters there's a lot of marrying your brothers and sisters with the greek gods chronos married his sister rhea and chronos uh he's now the the god of gods he's now in charge he's the big man and he is terrified because of uranus's prophecy that he was left with and this is really important because the distinction here is Kronos was afraid that he would succumb to the same fate as Uranus. That wasn't the correct fear <laughs> to be having. Not that someone can like have a correct or incorrect fear. But if he would have been more worried about actually becoming his father, then maybe he would have avoided that fate. But no, he wasn't afraid of becoming his father. He wasn't afraid of becoming the tyrant. He was afraid of succumbing to the same fate as the tyrant. So I hope that distinction makes sense. There's someone who's afraid of succumbing to the same fate, and then there's someone who actually fears like becoming what they don't want to be. So he became the tyrant. He refused to release the Cyclopedes and the Hecaton Curus from Tartarus, and he was so scared of the prophecy that his own son would be the death of him, that he ate all of his children as soon as they were born. So um, Rhea, uh, him and Rhea, basically, the children they have are, will soon be known as the Olympians. They, it was Demeter, it was Hestia, Hades, uh, Hera, and Poseidon. Those are um, Rhea and Kronos' children. And as soon as they're born, Kronos would eat them. He'd swallow them whole. Now they were gods, so they couldn't die. So they were just trapped in their father's stomach. And Rhea got sick of this. <laughs> she was like, stop eating my children. So when she got pregnant with the next child, she went to Gaia and she told Gaia, like, I don't want Kronos to eat this child. Can we do something? And Gaia was like, yeah. So, um, Rhea, uh, when she gave birth to this child, this child is Zeus, she gave birth to Zeus and she hid him in a cave in Crete and she brought Kronos a stone and Kronos swallowed the stone believing that he had just eaten Zeus, but he didn't, he just ate a stone. Zeus is the Greek name for Jupiter. 
so that this is the birth of Jupiter. And th I mean, okay, so like, let's just pause for a second and go back to the astrology. Uh, Saturn is Kronos, Z Zeus is Jupiter. The end of this year, we're having a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the solstice of this year. And before that, Jupiter and Saturn are both working deeply with Pluto. So we are working with this energy right now. We are working with that relationship between father and son. We're working with how is it that we actually change ages? How is it that we bring in the new without repeating the mistakes of the old? And how do we navigate that resistance? Because there's when the changing of generations happens, there's resistance from the older generation. They don't want to pass it down. So we are working with this energy right now, and we're working with these archetypes right now, our Zeus and our Kronos. So yeah, back to the story. Zeus grows up living in secret in a cave in Crete, and eventually he gets old enough that he, he gets old enough that it's time for him to fulfill his destiny, which um, Rhea and the other gods told him his destiny was to overthrow his father and free everyone from Kronos's tyranny. So Zeus grows up, it's time, and he's of age. He goes to Medes, which Medes is a titan goddess and she's very cunning and she, uh, they end up getting married and she creates a potion for him that would cause Kronos to vomit up all of Zeus's siblings so that Zeus could have his siblings at his side. And Zeus manages to sneak the um, potion to Kronos and he like he sneaks it into his wine one night and Kronos vomits up Demeter, Hesta, Hestia, Hades, Hera, and Poseidon. The Olympians emerge and they flee to the top of Mount Olympus and they basically stage a rebellion and it's a very dramatic story. Um, some of the Titans le like leave and they, they go and join the Olympians. They join the Olympian side of the battle. There's a huge battle. Um, Zeus frees the Hecatonchirus and the Cyclopedes and they join the battle and it ends with all of the Titans except for the ones that aligned with the Olympians. Themis, the goddess of justice, and her son Prometheus, they align with the Olympians as well as Medes, which is Zeus's wife at the time, his first wife. His second wife will be, will be Hera. But it ends with the Titans being cast off into Tartarus for all of eternity. Atlas is forced to um, hold up the, the cosmos for all of eternity, and Zeus ends up killing Kronos. So Kronos, so in the end, the Uranus's prophecy is fulfilled. And then, this is the probably the most important part of the story, Zeus broke the cycle. When all was said and done, and when the Titans were defeated, Zeus did not just take over as the ruler of everything. He didn't take over as the god of gods. He rolled a dice to decide who would be the ruler of the universe between himself and his two brothers, Poseidon and Hades. He 
he basically was like, okay, one of us is going to be the god of the seas, one of us will be the god of the underworld, and then one of us will be the god of the sky, and the god of the sky will be the god of gods. And he rolled a dice, and it turns out that he got to become the ruler of the skies. He got, he, he through the, through randomness, became the god of gods. Then Poseidon became the god of the seas, and Hades became the god of the underworld. And then the other gods were given their own dominions based on what their strengths were. Zeus was able to break the cycle of Uranus and Kronos. He was able to break the cycle of sons killing fathers and of the next generation being, and of the generations being taken down with violence because he didn't become a tyrant. So I think as we move through 2020 I think that this is a really important story to keep in mind I think I'm gonna guess that I'm gonna be revisiting this story uh, a few times over the next year because we're working so deeply with those archetypes of Kronos and Zeus and I know that the intention with me telling this story was to tell you about the birth of Venus, but I feel like it's kind of one and the same. Like Venus is being reborn and we're experiencing that transition between who is going to be in charge. So 2020 is when we call in a new age. And through that process, we have that ability to rebirth our capacity to love each other and to rebirth our values and find different ways to engage with resources because Venus is very connected to like money and resources and we also we we're also facing that danger that we could free ourselves from one oppressor just to fall under the control of a new oppressor so right now is when we make sure that our Jupiter is strong enough to handle this Jupiter is going to go conjunction with Pluto two more times this year. So we just experienced the first Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. He will go retrograde and meet Pluto again in the summertime, and then he'll station direct. He'll meet Pluto again in the fall. Jupiter, or our belief systems, is being deeply worked with and transformed and broken down and reborn. Because in December... Jupiter is going to face Saturn. Zeus is going to face Kronos. And we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past. We want to build a better and stronger future for ourselves. And this is something that's going to play out collectively. And it's also something that's going to play out individually. We can, we can easily see that the 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 Zeus and Kronos battle collectively we we've seen regimes fall whether we've seen it in reality or we've read about it in history books we've seen the old fall um and we've seen the new be reborn we can see this pattern playing out collectively again and again and again throughout history and it also plays out within ourselves so take some time during this full moon in Libra and really evaluate how you hold on to your belief systems, how you've clung, ways that you may have been clinging to your old way of life. Um, when the COVID-19 um, 
crisis began. What were the things that you clung to the most? For me to self-examine, I think that something that I'm really clinging to and something that, yeah, something that I that I held on to very tightly and that I'm still clinging to is my ability to travel. I work remotely and I travel full time. So as the, the, the crisis was getting worse and worse, I was insisting on continuing with my plan to travel through Southeast Asia for the next six months until I just eventually got stuck. <laughs> and still I'm, I'm, I'm sit I find myself wondering, even like worrying, when is the next time I get to actually experience a new country? Am I going, how long are, am I going to be banned from visiting different nations? Um, worrying that if I return to the United States, I might not get the opportunity to leave again anytime soon. And so I'm, I'm clinging to my freedom to move between countries. And I'm um, sort of like, yeah, that that's the experience that I'm having. What are the things that you are clinging to um, as our reality begins to shift? And how can you support yourself? Because like, you know, there, there's no, there's awareness, but there's not judgment here. What are some of the things you can do to support yourself in letting go with showing yourself compassion? Um, because it's, it's human nature to cling to things, but yeah, that's how the, the Zeus Kronos myth can play out within ourselves. We can have that. We, we have these archetypes within us and they're, they're playing out individually and collectively. So that's something to ponder on this full moon in Libra. I hope that this Libra energy can bring some peace and beauty and balance into your life. I hope that you can connect with Venus, connect with your love and your compassion, your, your creativity and your passion too. Venus is very like about the things that we really enjoy. So I hope that you can tap into some of that as we continue to move through this quarantine experience. I know that in my home country, the United States, also in many countries around the world, the next two weeks um, are not looking very bright. So I'm continually sending strength and prayers and healing energy. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And until next time, Collecting the stars I connected the top